Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Hangouts and Headlines, November 17th, 2022. I hope everybody had a great weekend Wednesday. I know I did, even though while I tried to rest my voice, as you heard from Tuesday's episode of Hangouts, I did do a virtual legality video because I just can't help myself sometimes. There's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the world of software, technology, video games, and I love talking about it with you all. So if you didn't catch that premiere, we had about a 20-minute long video Yesterday is an update to the Doom Eternal question mark scandal. <laughs> scandal, controversy. I think I used brouhaha in the video yesterday. And if you're not interested at all in video games, it's still worthwhile to note that from a contract perspective, just the stuff we usually do either in Hangouts or virtual legality, uh, it's a very interesting story of when contracts go wrong and contractors and when they're allowed to say something, when they're not. Corporations in the big sense in Bethesda and Microsoft at the biggest sense, uh, putting out statements to kind of curtail uh, the ability of other people to criticize them. And it's a whole big thing. So do check out that video if you're interested. I'm going to try to keep my volume here at a reasonable level in Hangouts. I love talking with you all uh, each and every morning except for Wednesdays. Uh, and uh, it's often difficult for me, but we're going to do our best to stay strong. And the voice seems a little bit more solid than it did a couple of days ago. So where are you all hanging out from? How you all doing this morning? What have you been up to? Have you seen anything cool? Have you played anything cool? I've been playing the newest God of War video game, Ragnarok, with uh, uh, certain family members. We've been having fun with that. It's been interesting. I might wind up doing an impressions video or a post-mortem video on God of War Ragnarok, if anybody's interested in that, uh, at the end of the day. But it is, uh, it is unique. Uh, it is unique. So how is everyone doing? You see any news that I should be talking about today? We're obviously going to be talking about Yale Law School opting out of a ranking system, which I'm going to tell you, I think is a little bit self-serving. We're going to talk about the reasons why it might or might not be happening. Uh, but it's uh, it's an interesting story in and of itself. And obviously, as a lawyer, as someone that has had many, many conversations, both at the school level and then later on in the working life level, about law schools and rankings and where you should go and where you shouldn't and all these various things. It is something that is uh, special to me uh, in talking about. And this is a big moment for the modern law school apparatus. Uh, so we'll be talking about that with you as well. My Java Bean says, off to work early to prepare for Thanksgiving week. Have a great day, chat. We will have a great day, Mr. Java Bean or my Java Bean. Might be a Mrs. Java Bean. Might be Ms. I don't know. Either way, whatever the marital status of the Java Bean, I hope you have a great one today. Uh, and it is good to hear from all of you. Uh, grouchy in Kentucky this morning, says Sharon. Makes a lot of sense. I, I would be grouchy in the Kentucky cold as well. I'm grouchy in the Michigan cold whenever it happens, which is often from here till um, May. <laughs> Powerpuff says, good morning, all. Uh, hands up emoji. Raising your hand. Question. You sound much better, Rick. So glad you're feeling better. I am. I'm feeling okay, uh, which is the danger zone for me. I think I've talked about this before. I don't want to stretch too far. I don't want to kind of launch myself back uh, into that scenario. But no, I feel good today. Uh, and it's just a matter of keeping my voice going uh, as, as strongly as possible for probably an hour-long show, I would guess, today. We'll see. Maybe everybody has tons to talk about. Maybe everybody wants to uh, talk about the latest movie that they've seen. I still haven't seen Wakanda Forever. Still haven't seen the latest Andor. Uh, still haven't seen a bunch of stuff uh, because I've otherwise been resting and, and, and trying to feel a little bit better. But I know there's a lot of good stuff out there. A lot of stuff that people are enjoying. 
Sharon says, Rick, your H&Hs caused me to research topics I would normally uh, not care about. Not sure that's good for my mental health. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, we talk about a lot of stuff in Hangouts and Headlines, but we are unlikely to just talk about like garbage, dark web, that kind of stuff, scandals and outrage just for the sake of it. Uh, so we will try to keep your, your, your inbox, your research box clean uh, for those kinds of things. But yeah, yeah. When you go and you look at every topic and you, and you think about various states of the world, we've covered obviously a lot of things. We covered medicine and the education systems previously. We'll just cover all of the major institutions on earth uh, by the time that this show finally has run its course. <laughs> and uh, and uh, maybe we'll all be better for it. Maybe we'll all be worse off for it. But we'll be in it together. And won't that be nice? <laughs> uh, good morning from South Carolina, says Kelly Clancy. Good morning, Kelly. <sighs> Handmaid Darcy says, I have been knitting unicorn scoodies. I'm going to need some help on this. I can see that that is probably a combination of something that starts with an S sound and hoodies. What is it? What is a scoodie? For my nieces and crocheting a backhoe for my nephew, he keeps trying to sleep with his plastic ones. <laughs> Toothy smile emoji. Aw, that's sweet. I would love a crocheted backhoe. A, a whole a whole set of crocheted construction equipment. That is that's just cool. That is cool. But I do need information on what a scoodie is. Uh, this is gonna be this is gonna be critical. Uh, Don says I am playing Gotham Knights and enjoying it way more than reviews told me I should. If you go look at my tweets, one of the things I said is, "Ooh, they're doing Gotham Knights dirty." It is a significantly better game than a lot of the reviewers came out there with, and I don't know exactly why it was harsh uh, or treated so harshly by uh, so many reviewers, uh, but I think it was just the opportunity to take something that was at least kind of close to triple A, certainly well resourced, uh, and get to say everything that they want to say about these other games. One of the things I would posit on God of War Ragnarok uh, is that there is a general fear uh, in outlets or reviewers or both to actually criticize these major high spend video games. And it's something that is unique to video gaming. It's something that's separate from like movies, right? You don't have, oh, well, they spent so much money on Transformers. We better give it a good review. Uh, as opposed to in video games, you still have this almost kind of uh, maybe institutional memory of like 1983 uh, and the video game crash. And you still love the hobby enough that you're worried that it's just going to die if you're mean to one of its high spend games. I can't tell you why this type of stuff happens, uh, but I will tell you because I probably will do a postmortem. I have enjoyed God of War Ragnarok. It is nowhere near a masterpiece, nowhere near. Uh, and if you were to actually threaten my life, it's possible that I've enjoyed my time with Gotham Knights more than God of War Ragnarok. We'd have to really think about that. Uh, but God of War Ragnarok has a lot of polish, has a lot of big name actors, has a lot of money thrown at it. It is very fancy. It is very shiny. It also has sequences and sections and discussions and everything else that are about three to five times too long, verging on the point of boredom. Uh, and as a game design, I would argue that it's pretty mediocre. Now, whoever's offended by that, sorry in the chat. I'm sorry. We can have that conversation in a separate God of War Ragnarok space. Uh, but but it's Hangouts. So that's what I've been doing while I rest up. And I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, so maybe we'll do a video on that. Uh, and thank you for sharing with me, Don. I am hopeful that you have a great time with that. 
Nine Inch Nails Gal 1994, going to sleep to hangouts and headlines. If I don't scratch myself to death first, darn mosquitoes and allergic reactions, I roll emoji. I am so sorry to hear it, Nine Inch Nails Gal. I hope you do get some rest. I hope my voice is not too scratchy or too broken uh, to help you get some sleep. Uh, and uh, yeah, I uh, having talked a lot about Australia, uh, now I'm worried about mosquitoes if I come visit just for the kangaroos and the koala bears. So I will keep that in mind. Maybe I'll just stay in my hotel room and watch free Bluey. So someone said in the comments, uh, you can watch Bluey anytime you want. All the Bluey you like in Australia. It's Bluey Palooza. <laughs> Harry says, no overdoing today, Hogue. Feel better. I, I try not to overdo it, but I get excited about these things. I'm a passionate guy. We read this stuff, and I enjoy talking about it with you all. Angela says, hello from Berkeley, Michigan. Hello, fellow Michigander. Hello, Berkeley. I hope you're having a great morning this morning already. Oh, we have a birthday. Handmade Darcy says, happy birthday, Aaron. Did I miss a birthday? I'm so sorry. All right. Well, I missed the introductory chat message for apparently Aaron's birthday. Uh, but happy birthday, Aaron. That is awesome. Love birthdays. Birthdays are cool. Birthdays right near Pokemon releases. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. If you don't know, Pokemon, which is one of the most popular Nintendo series ever, has its brand new mainline release coming out tomorrow. And I get a countdown every day from the littlest Hoagling. You know, Pokemon's coming soon. Pokemon. <laughs> Carrie Harvey says, is it a scarf plus a hoodie? That would do the right things with the sounds. A hoodie scarf. Scooty. I buy it. I buy it. A onesie hoodie. So with like feet. How do you get the sk sound? Anime Darcy says it's a scarf and hoodie. All right. Smiling toothy emoji. So a scarf with a hood with ears and a horn. All pink, of course. Of course. That is awesome, Handmade Darcy. I'm glad that uh, people are making things while they watch these shows. Actually putting something out there into the world. Uh, it's very, very cool. What else we have here? Cassie says, I need a Scooty now that I know that they exist. Do they make them for adults? The Scooty conversation is the one that I wasn't anticipating. Every day... I start a hangouts and headlines. I think there's going to be some conversation topic we're going to talk about that I have no idea is coming. And Scooties, that's the one for today. Now Hogue will get death threats from Gotham Knights fans. Wink emoji. <laughs> the internet would have you believe that those don't exist. Um, but uh, Gotham Knights is fine. Gotham Knights is fine. It is a little bit janky. It is a little bit not polished. It is a little bit not all there. But it is fine. Is a perfectly entertaining experience. Uh, Anir uh, Aniru says, I liked Ragnarok's reveal and release trailer so much that I got bummed out that the entire game didn't feel like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, not to give away too much of my thoughts because I think I probably will do a video since I'm very rarely finishing games like the first week that they're done. Uh, but yeah, I think they make massive missteps for the first I don't know, 10 or 12 hours of the game in terms of lacking motivation or character agency for what it is that you're doing uh, and have lots of repetition in areas that aren't very interesting. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that, I think. Uh, and certainly you can hear me talk about it on the BitCast, 11 a.m. on Sundays, because I'm going to have some thoughts and chat's going to yell at me. So if you enjoy that, that'll, that'll probably happen. Uh, Steffi says, I'm knitting a sweater for my mother and crocheting a cardigan for my sister at the moment. Christmas gift production in fall in full swing. Uh, happy face emoji. I have to assume when you say things like this that you mean that you've got two projects that are pending and you're working on them both in various states prior to completion. 
at the same time, but not simultaneously, right? You're not one handing a sweater and one handing a cardigan, right? You can't do that with knitting and crocheting. I have seen some of these activities happen in Hogue House. I don't believe that you can be doing it at the moment simultaneously, but maybe I'm wrong. All of you are awesome. I can't make any of this stuff. So maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Uh-oh. Claude Simeon says, I'm slightly offended by Hogue bowing to peer pressure and saying nine inch nails. It is not peer pressure. It is the actual person uh, with the avatar name of nine inch nails gal. So uh, peer pressure, you all couldn't have convinced me to do that, but the person in question, 100% can uh, the first three letters, uh, obviously N I N and should be pronounced Neen or nin as he was doing before laughing on the ground emoji, not peer pressure, pressure from the actual person in question. <laughs> Spider-Man miles Morales comes out tomorrow on PC as well. I love Spider-Man miles Morales. Uh, it, it is one of my favorites. I've actually come back to it now in consecutive years. I just redownloaded it. It is maybe my favorite Christmas video game um, in that it really captures a lot of Christmas styling. Uh, New York is all dressed up for Christmas. There are scenes that are related to Christmas. Uh, it is a little bit like saying Die Hard's a Christmas movie insofar as the focus isn't on Christmas, but it feels good, man. You got a Christmas mall set in there. You got all sorts of stuff in Miles Morales. Check it out. Uh, I love it. I download it now for three consecutive Novembers. <laughs> so very, very cool there. I hope you enjoy it if you're only playing it on PC for the first time. It is great. It is great. It is also a reasonable amount of time. You could probably play Miles Morales three, four, or five times in the time it's taking me to get to the end of God of War Ragnarok. Nine Inch Nails, Gal 1994. You want to see kangaroos? Great for a disemboweling. I don't want to be disemboweled by a kangaroo. I don't know what you think my interest in kangaroos is, but it's not that. And koalas, more STDs than a nursing home. I'm not planning to get intimate with a koala, so we're clear. And you are worried about the mosquitoes? Plenty of bluey. All right, good. Confirmation about the bluey. Thank you very much, Nine Inch Nails Gal 1994. I'm worried about the mosquitoes because you just said they're huge and that you have tons of mosquito bites. I want you to get rest. But don't you worry. I'm not going to hug any kangaroos or koalas. I just think they're adorable. We don't have them here. We don't have them here. B says, someone in a different chat mentioned hooded towels, which made me want to buy one. Now I have to add scooties to the list. A hooded towel is a great idea. How is that not a bathrobe? It's just the hood. It's no arms. Hmm. Learning a lot. Learning a lot about various things today, uh, including what kangaroos can do to you. Sharon says, if reports coming out of Twitter are true, I'm not sure I've ever seen as much bullying and hateful threats coming from a brand new CEO. What a mess in lawsuits should keep Elon in court for years. It's so hard to tell, isn't it? Like to me, there's so many people that are interested in seeing Elon Musk's destruction on this, including people inside Twitter that are leaking things like a sieve uh, that I, I don't know. Yes, if these kinds of things that are being said about him are true with like threats and time commitments and things like that, uh, that is a wild way to take over a company. And certainly I have said in the entire series that we did here on the channel that Elon Musk is a wild card. He's, he's not doing things that are easy to anticipate from my perspective. Uh, for someone that has talked to a lot of CEOs and been in some big companies, boardrooms and, and seen how they operate a little bit, um, he's not standard. Uh, and so it's just difficult to say because basically everything that comes out has its own amount of biases. And as you know, from what we do in headlines, one of the things that I try to evaluate at the very top of any kind of article is like, who's interested in this? What are their slants? What is the direction that they are looking at things from? 
because that's an easy way to kind of try to gauge what's true and what's not as a starting point. That's not the end of our critical analysis, right? But you can look at something and say, hmm. As a for instance, I put out a tweet yesterday um, and uh, just to give some color in case you don't follow the rest of the channel, uh, Microsoft has a product for their Xbox line called Game Pass, which allows you to subscribe for games. You don't have to buy them. They put a curated list of games out, 100 plus, uh, and you subscribe to it like you subscribe to Netflix. Uh, and they have a number of studios under their belt. And one of their main kind of development houses uh, and one of the main producers at that development house went out there yesterday with a statement that basically said, this game couldn't have been made without Game Pass. And I tweeted out, I said, well, that, that very well might be true because it's a, it's a kind of niche game. It's like illuminated texts in the Enlightenment era as a dialogue visual novel adventure thing. And I said, that might be true, but I can't help but note that this is uh, one of the heads of one of the subsidiaries of the company that makes the Game Pass product uh, and uses it as a primary brand differentiator in the marketplace. So that might well be true, but we do have to take that into account. And so many people get mad at me. I, I tell you this, guys, a lot, but the times that people get the maddest at me are the console warriors for one or the other side on Xbox or PlayStation, uh, which is amusing to me because, you know, when I criticize Sony, and they've had a lot of criticism this year, a lot of people say, you know, I'm a show for Xbox. And I go out there and say, well, just so we're clear, we don't have to take on on its face, the validity of a Microsoft employee saying the Microsoft product is awesome. And, and people said, well, we, that's very cynical, Rick. He's not lying. I was like, I'm not even suggesting he's lying. I'm suggesting that if you're not just off uh, the, the, the wagon train into town, then you aren't going to say any negative thoughts you might have about your employer's product or service offerings. And you're going to allow the positive thoughts that you do probably legitimately have flow freely. And so in this particular case, he's happy that he got to put it on Game Pass, says it wouldn't probably exist without Game Pass, which is useful for the marketing for Xbox, which is useful for his employers. And you say, okay, fantastic. And people don't really get that difference, at least on Twitter. Nuance is not really what Twitter's interested in so much. Uh, but I do think you can get into a situation where, like with Elon here, you've got people that are so self-interested in an outcome, it's very difficult to tell truth from fiction. Um, so I was able to put in another video game anecdote there for something completely unrelated to video games. It's just that kind of morning, folks. <laughs> morning from snowy Ohio all, says just Sarah. Hmm, wouldn't it be fun to have a snowy Michigan-Ohio State game? I think it would. I think it would. Snowy football games are the best. Fluffy Pink Chaos says Miles Morales is coming to Fortnite next season, which is next month. Oh, is it holiday season? Actually, I haven't played Fortnite in about a year. Uh, but I do love their holiday stuff um, and their 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 presence and things like that. So maybe I'll download Fortnite again. Miles Morales as a character, um, I, I I don't I don't necessarily love as much as as Peter Parker. That might just be because of the number of stories I've seen uh, with each. But Miles Morales, the video game, is fantastic. Um, so I don't know what version of him they're going to put in Fortnite, uh, but I'm interested in checking it out. Let's drive 420 entering. The major, major internet debates. Die Hard, most definitely a Christmas movie. Man, I cannot get this hair to stay under my hat here. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It's got a Christmas party in it. It's got Christmas music. It's got ho, ho, ho. Now I've got a machine gun. Die Hard, Christmas movie, obviously. I <laughs> uh, got a lot of people talking about the various crafts they're doing at home, which I think is awesome. As I said, I can't do anything. Die Hard has Christmas music in the score. It absolutely does. Very much a Christmas movie. I agree. We're talking diehard, as as the internet is wont to do. Uh, 
Terry Browning says UNC Children's Hospital doing a cross-stitch gift and making a blanket and listening always to you. That is awesome, Terry. Fantastic. Hooded towels are the best. All three of my kids have their own, says Jalair. Oh, hooded towels, I've never heard of them. Britt Cormier with a very generous super chat this morning. Thank you so much, Britt. Since it is not peer pressure and is up to each of us individuals, although my name is spelled Britt Cormier, I pronounce it Lord of all he surveys, King of the cosmos, benevolent master of the multiverse. Thanks, Hog. So I'm going to have to see that in the text somewhat, right? So I'm definitely going to take your advice on this, but I'm going to actually have to require you to change your name uh, into something that you want to see on this. Now, if you'll note, Nine Inch Nails Gal uh, uses N-I-N if you can't otherwise fit all that. But I'm going to need a reminder of what it is that you want to be called with at least the acronym. It's just the rules. I don't make them, except I do. <laughs> so thank you so much for the super chat. I love it. Sherry says Musk is demanding draconian work schedules or he'll accept their resignations. Upset toothy uh, emoji. Yep, that's what I've been seeing reported. Uh, and certainly that is, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's very kind of robber baron-y. I mean, it's very uh, orphans, please polish by monocle type type talk. And I, I don't know. I, ordinarily, I would tell you that that sounds ridiculous on its face. And I, I would take it with a grain of salt. But certainly Elon Musk has done a number of things that do look ridiculous on their face. So, hmm. Kerry Harvey says he seems to get away with a lot of his unconventional behavior because of his successes. Yep, I suspect so. Um, I also suspect that's why he has the success that he does in gaining investment, which is like, well, nobody's going to fire me for just giving Elon Musk money because everything he touches is gold. But I'm not sure that he is ready to run Twitter based on what we're seeing. So we'll see. Generally speaking, I, I do suspect he's smart enough to realize that if we get through this window and Twitter's still around. <laughs> Uh, to say I'm going to need a professional CEO on this that I can just kind of monitor because it's just not what I do. But we'll see. Tigerette, with a comment before I made it that is exactly what I just made, reminds me what working for the industrial barons of the 1890s must have been like. Yeah, it's this kind of uh, crazed early act Ebenezer Scrooge kind of thing, which is just not, generally speaking, how business is done, even from the most narcissistic CEOs. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Tyler says there are indie games made like that. Maybe at a giant company, it can't. But EA original games kind of discount that. I felt how you did about his statement. Well, I, again, I don't want to claim that it's false. I, I really don't think that. I just think that you are wise enough at a certain level, at a certain age, the certain political acumen. I don't mean politics as in who's in the White House or who's in Congress, but politics in the office to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to let the positive things flow freely. That's easy. Um, and then we're going to be really cautious about any negative things that we might have to say. As for an internal operator, they're not working separate from the, the market of the parent anyway. So I don't know that it's as useful as folks saying things from the outside. Sardinism, saying someone has a tilt doesn't mean what they say isn't true. Absolutely. Absolutely. It means they have an incentive to say certain things and not say others. Absolutely. That, that's all I ever try to get across on this stuff, right? Uh, when you look at things like the, the Federal Trade Commission's rules on influencers. What they ask for is transparency. Hey, these people paid me. You have to say that so that people can evaluate it, not that you otherwise are going to be lying about what you say about their product, right? These people paid me. They sent me this gift. They sent me this chair. Now I'm evaluating the chair. Um, obviously, if you say something negative about the thing that you were paid for, that's potentially even stronger that you're going against where the tilts lie, where the biases potentially lie. But it's still important for people to be able to evaluate those things. And I wasn't trying to get on this individual's case. Uh, it was just a matter of saying, 
we, we do have to note that it's owned by Xbox. We do have to note that there's a certain amount of incentive to say this kind of thing in this kind of context. Nine Inch Nails, gal, 1994. Guess that means you'll have to spend time with me outside with 20 people. Lucky to have five bites between them. Me, basically a walking mozzie bite. Is that an Australian mosquito, a mozzie? I love it, Nine Inch Nails, gal. A mozzie. Randy says, on the other side of the Elon Musk coin, the people complaining about the work schedule are the same ones that don't want to go to work. Hmm. Possibly. Again, this is one of those that there's so much noise to signal. I basically am observing from afar. And the next time we talk about Elon Musk, I'm going to have to have something more concrete to go on, I think, uh, before I start bringing my opinion to the bear here. Uh, there are clearly issues at that building right now, and, and we will see. We will see. Uh, I think Elon bought Twitter just to have fun with the Twitterers. It's been glorious. It's a very expensive troll prank, if it is. It also, I, I can't put it past Elon Musk. I can't put it past. Uh, always question the headlines. Uh, headlines, Hogue, even on Lawyers and Dragons. Winky emoji, emoji, says Carrie. Yeah, you always got to question the headlines. I mean, what is even happening on Lawyers and Dragons? I don't know. I do know the season finale is Saturday morning at 10 a.m. And I do know that we're planning on doing a special Talking Dragons afterwards on David's channel. But hopefully that stuff will all go up today so you guys can plan for it. But mm, I don't know. Is everything that we've been told in Lawyers and Dragons true? We'll have to find out together. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. T says, is Musk acting draconian in part due to the reception he has gotten and the leaks? Not excusing his behavior. Just wonder if he feels he's had to lay down the law. I think he's handled a lot of aspects of this incorrectly and thought he could get a handle on like the leaking with kind of pressure. Uh, but I'm reminded of like star Wars, you know, the, 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 the tighter you keep your grip, the more, well, in that case, uh, galaxies or systems will, will slip between your fingers. Uh, here, I, I think it's pretty similar. The more he does this kind of thing, the more the leaks get out there, the more the journalists cover those leaks and the, the cycle goes against him on that type of stuff. But I don't know for sure. Uh, and I don't know that we can know for sure sitting outside of Twitter. Um, either way, what do you say we talk about law schools, right? One of the things that I thought was interesting about the coverage of the trials that I got involved with this year is how many people uh, said that they were thinking about going to law school at the time. A lot of people later in life, a lot of people gave me DMs or otherwise sent comments or super chats or what have you that said, hey, Rick, um, I'm thinking about going to law school. Am I too old for this? Or I'm, I, I got into this law school. Is this a good one? Uh, and, and a number of the things before we talk about this story that I, I want to impress upon folks is that law school rankings, in my opinion, are a bit unhelpful, right? I'm, I'm going to probably yell at Yale and Harvard a little bit for this uh, because I don't think they're being terribly sincere about the reasons that they're backing off of these rankings. But I do want to point out that for the longest time, I've had conversations with colleagues. I've had conversations with hiring partners. I've had conversations in these DMs and in these comments uh, that really do seem to be a little bit controlled by the rankings that this one magazine puts forth for law schools. I've had colleagues contact me by email to talk about the fact their law school ranking has gone up. Uh, I've had emails from colleagues that are upset that their law school ranking has gone down. 
uh, and everything in between. And I will say to you this, right? If you're considering law school, uh, if you're otherwise already a lawyer and you're hiring somebody that in my experience, I'm coming up on 20 years here. Um, you can get fantastic lawyers from the top ranked law schools. You can also get really mediocre ones. Uh, and you can, you can get fantastic lawyers from what we might call tier three schools, the people that appear on page six or seven or eight of the U.S. News Report. Uh, and in, in my experience, and this is just anecdotal, the people that I've worked with, I have generally had a better time with some of the people at the lower ranked schools uh, that a lot of the business of law is, is work. It is workaday type stuff. Uh, it is drafting language. It is what many would call boring. <laughs> uh, and so you do want to have somebody there with you um, do, doing the work that needs to get done, whether that's due diligence, whether that's evaluating assignment provisions in 150 contracts, you know, whatever it might be uh, versus people that might be a little bit more haughty. Now, if you went to Yale or Harvard or an Ivy or anywhere else, look, I'm from Michigan Law School. Uh, Michigan is known in these parts as the arrogant ones, right? In the Midwest, University of Michigan, one of the more arrogant schools by reputation, uh, better than the best kind of thing. Uh, and I will tell you that there's a plenty of Michigan lawyers and doctors and other people that go to Michigan that have that, that absolutely evince that out there. Hopefully I'm not one of them, uh, but I would never look at something like, oh, I went to Michigan law school. We were ranked in the top 10 uh, as something that makes me superior because frankly, it doesn't. Uh, so I just want to put that out there before we start talking about this, because it is a very interesting story. I'm interested in it, but you can have a great life going to a lower tier law school or any other school, uh, and you can make a bad life out of going to an elite school. Uh, so that, that's all I wanted to say is kind of messaging before this. But let's talk about our good friends at the Ivy League and understand, because I'm just an arrogant Michigan Wolverine, uh, that all of this should be accepted with the tilt of, I don't, you know, I don't like these guys, whatever, whatever Yale. <laughs> All right. So Wall Street Journal yesterday reports Yale and Harvard law schools abandon U.S. news rankings. <laughs> I like, I like that, Sarah. You say that like drafting contracts is boring. I will say there are aspects of it that are. So the, the most fun that I have in dra contract drafting is when somebody asks me for something really novel what I usually call it. I call it novelty, uh, which is just absolutely uh, something that has not been seen, that is that is crazy, that is going to figure out uh, something that I have to draft from whole cloth and try to uh, try to make sure that my client is protected while I draft it, right? That's fun, but that's rare. Much more uh, of the time I'm reading through contracts that are largely the same and figuring out where there might be landmines or red flags that are hidden in those uh, and counseling my clients about those things. Uh, and I am always happy to deliver value and to, to support my clients, but the actual process of it uh, can sometimes border on tedium. There's no question about that. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, sometimes that, Sarah, I think you know what I mean. <laughs> Thank you for the super chat. I appreciate it. All right, let's talk about these law schools. Yale, which long held the number one spot, says the ranking discourages support for low-income students in public interest careers. Uh, we're not going to go into the swear jar. We're not going to get those, you know, super chats that say Rick swore. Uh, but this is where I would say this is BS. <laughs> this, this, this comes across as BS to me. Now, in order to understand the context here of Yale and Harvard, 
uh, we have to talk about a few things with which you may not be familiar. First, let's talk about the composition of the Supreme Court. This is an important story. And one of the reasons is, is that our world in the United States is run by these folks. Honest to God. The composition of the Supreme Court, Alito, Yale, Barrett, Notre Dame, good on you, Notre Dame, represent Indiana, Jackson, Harvard, Gorsuch, Harvard, Kavanaugh, Yale, Kagan, Harvard, Roberts, Harvard, Sotomayor, Yale, Thomas, Yale. That's the whole Supreme Court, folks. Outside of Justice Amy Coney Barrett from Notre Dame, everyone is from these two schools. The thinking at these schools dominates our modern jurisprudence. And no, I'm not trying to suggest that Gorsuch and Sotomayor see the world in the same way or that Kavanaugh and Kagan do, all right? But there's a certain patina of elite Ivy-led legal understanding that governs our world in the United States. And that's worth noting because Yale and Harvard have come under fire a little bit. Them separating out from the U.S. news rankings is going to be a deal. Note, by the way, as we go through the story, that doesn't mean that U.S. news can't rank them. You can be ranked. You don't have to accede to the ranking. It just means you're not going to be providing them extra data for their ranking. And this is going to come up again. All right. The article. Yale Law School and Harvard Law School are pulling out of the U.S. News and World Report Law School ranking that they have dominated for decades, issuing a blow to the credibility and power of the high-profile rankings. Does it issue a blow to their credibility? I'm not positive. But to give a little bit of background understanding on this, it is worthwhile to go and look at these things and see that Yale, which is dropping out, uh, has been number one for as long as I can remember. And what's interesting about this in terms of the story we're looking at is, one, well, you'd think, well, maybe that's it, it's a bad thing. They're, they're dropping out of this. How could they drop out? They're number one. But also, they're number one. What do they care? This is a bit like uh, a, a model saying looks don't matter or uh, somebody with a billionaire, uh, Jeff Bezos, saying, well, you know, I'll get rid of most of my fortune. I'll only keep a couple billion. It's like, well, OK, yeah, I'd, I'd love to be able to make those choices, Jeff Bezos. Uh, and, and I'm glad for these kinds of things, these interviews that you're putting out there. But on the other hand, nobody's going to forget that Yale Law School exists. Nobody's going to forget that Yale uh, is one of the schools that runs the Supreme Court of the United States. No one's going to forget these things. You know, you go ask uh, whoever. Oh, I don't know. It's almost it's almost Ohio State week. Go ask Ohio State at 30th to drop out. Oh, that's Emory. Sorry. Go ask Ohio State to, to drop out at 30th. No, they, they went 10 spaces up in the last year. Good for Ohio State. That's, your, that's all you're getting from me this month. Uh, so, yeah, go ask them to drop out because there are so many schools, so many schools that rely on these kinds of rankings, the U.S. news rankings in particular, to go and get potential new students uh, at their schools. It's one thing to be at the top of the list and say, well, we don't need you anymore. Uh, and it's quite another at the bottom. Uh, or this isn't the bottom. 30th is not the bottom. This is not a slide on Ohio State. It's one thing to be outside of those top echelon schools uh, and to and to say, yeah, we're just going to drop out. Uh, so it's it's part of the story here is that like Yale, okay, wh whatever Yale, uh, and the U.S. News and World Report might just still name you number one because they're still going to rank you. Yale doesn't stop existing when all this is over. They're just going to assume certain things about your data sets. You can also see one of the other things that is pretty prominent in law school rankings here, just with kind of this visual uh, stuff. The top 10, for the most part, are just kind of staying there. They bob around a little bit, uh, but but they're mostly staying here. Here's my alma mater, the University of Michigan. I believe they were seventh when I went there. 
Again, this stuff doesn't matter that much, but I think it's the top 14. It's usually called the T14 that basically doesn't change. They just kind of bounce around these various spots. Uh, and that's of limited usefulness. Uh, and then you can see that there's more noise as you get lower in the rankings, right? We got we got kind of the straight lines here for the most part. And then it's, who knows? Who, who knows what's happening? You get further down, look at these, right? It just gets more and more uh, movement here at, at the bottom. But at the top, it looks like that. <clears throat> so... Let's take a look at what Yale says about this. The U.S. news rankings are profoundly flawed, Yale Law Dean Heather Gerken says. Its approach not only fails to advance the legal profession, but stands squarely in the way of progress. Hmm, interesting. I have questions about what Yale Law Dean Heather Gerken means about progress or advancing the legal profession. Specifically, she said the rankings devalue programs that encourage low-paying public interest jobs and reward schools that dangle scholarships for high LSAT scores rather than for financial need. Keep track of this right here because this is the really interesting part of this story, uh, the LSAT scores. Now, one thing that you might not know, in fact, I would be willing to bet that you don't know, is that the American Bar Association, which is very important to note, not a bar association. They don't license attorneys in America. You get this on social media all the time. Uh, they are essentially a trade organization that makes recommendations uh, about various things, sometimes to good effect, sometimes to ill, uh, has said that they think that we should be getting rid of um, some of the LSAT stuff, some of the early entrance exam stuff uh, to allow for uh, greater uh, admittance into law schools and, and various things. That... If you get rid of the LSAT scores, which we will see are part of how the U.S. news ranks law schools as to like what level of scores their incoming class has, well, then your ranking would likely go down. Keep that in mind as we talk about this. Harvard Law Dean John Manning told students and staff Wednesday that the school had been deliberating its move for several months. Yes, they just happened to announce it the same day as Yale. Many, many months. Good job, Harvard. Leaders and best. It has become impossible to reconcile our principles and commitments with the methodology and incentives the U.S. news rankings reflect, he wrote. The moves stand to disrupt what had become a fairly static and extremely influential list of the nation's best law schools. Eric Gertler, executive chairman and CEO of U.S. News & World Report, said in an emailed statement Wednesday after Yale's departure, but before Harvard's, that the company will continue to fulfill our journalistic mission of ensuring that students can rely on the best and most accurate information when making decisions regarding law school. And that is a noble kind of mission. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the U.S. News and World Report has come up with the perfect levels for LSAT scores and debt after school and how people feel about your school to arrive at the platonic ideal of what law school ranking should be. But transparency is useful uh, at some levels, and it's worthwhile to have even if the best schools decide to drop out. So, yeah. Uh, Handmade Darcy, the ABA is not even an association of bar associations. It's just a group. It doesn't have any special powers, even over like the state bars. Uh, it is just a group of people that advance things. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about those. We actually have collected a few super chats here. So before we proceed with the article, let's let's hit these. Nine Inch Nails Gal 1994 says, Mozzie is short for mosquito. We either shorten everything or we use cockney rhyming slang. Good to know. Good to know. Thank you, Nine Inch Nails Gal. That, Sarah, you say that drafting contracts is boring? I did cover this one. We talked about that. Uh, that, Sarah, says boilerplate equals snooze emoji. Mm -hmm. mm, we'll all sleep together. Oh, no. 
I did not say that. Versus new and novel provisions equals happy face emoji, nerd happy face emoji. Britt Cormier, uh, a.k.a. Loa S. Coatsy, bemot you. How can this chart be true? We all know from the TV documentary Suits that Harvard is number one. U.S. news rankings are fake news. Yes. I Okay, I don't give legal advice on this channel, Britt, but one thing I will say is that you should not take Suits uh, as factual of basically anything at all. <laughs> but here's Yale. Here's the people that have the number one ranking. They get all of the kids that come in and, and can get into Yale. Almost all of them go. Uh, I had a number of people transfer out of Michigan to go to Yale after they were accepted from first semester grades and things like that. Yale. Yale. And U.S. News and World Report saying, well, whatever. I mean, we're still going to rank schools. As part of our mission, we must continue to ensure that law schools are held accountable for the education that will provide to these students and that mission does not change with this recent announcement. Now, your mileage may vary on whether U.S. News and World Report actually does succeed at saying what education people will be provided. Yale and Harvard in particular, I think, don't even don't even grade their kids once they're in uh, to school at this point. I think they, they all average like A minus uh, at these schools. Uh, but fair enough. U.S. News has been ranking colleges and graduate programs since the 1980s quickly growing into the definitive guide for many college-bound families and students interested in graduate and professional schools. Sounds straight from their PR statement, doesn't it? For decades, schools have highlighted their placement and promotional materials, and some university leaders even get financial incentives if their schools move up the list. I would, I would offer most. U.S. news rankings are part of the contract. This is like if you're in the video game space, you get a bonus if your Metacritic is high enough. Uh, this is how these law schools kind of incentivize a lot of their executive admissions-type people. Uh, because it is so important on keeping that bowl rolling. But behind closed doors, we'll try to do this like a, a VH1 behind the music, right? All's happy in this paragraph. Behind closed doors, administrators have long criticized the U.S. news rankings for focusing on inputs like high test scores over outcomes and for accepting school's self-reported data without any audit function. Still, Many have been wary of walking away, knowing how powerful a top rank can be as a lure for prospective students and for employers looking to hire new talent. Who doesn't want to teach at the number one school, right? Yeah. Now, yes, you could say that they are uh, a little bit upset that they're ranked uh, on these basic metrics. I would argue that some of them, especially at the high ends where they think they're going to get the students and the potential employees anyway, are upset at the notion of being ranked at all. But where are these people at U.S. News and World Report to judge us? the Yale admissions office. How dare they? And I will say that this extends down at least as far as Michigan. I can attest to that. Yale school, Yale law school has held the number one spot every year since 1990 and likely won't want for qualified candidates as a result of its impending absence from the list. It's good for the Wall Street Journal to admit this. This is a somewhat hollow mode from Yale law school in particular. Dean Gherkin has made some very salient points, and like many, we have long been concerned about the U.S. News Law School rankings methodology, and we'll be giving this careful thought, said Stephanie Ash, a spokeswoman for the new, number two ranked Stanford Law. A, a representative from the University of Chicago's law school ranked number three declined to comment. Yeah. A representative from the law school at Columbia, which is tied for fourth, they just went down the list. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? Uh, with Harvard on the latest ranking, didn't respond to a request for comment about whether it might reconsider its participation. So Chicago and Harvard don't respond. Stanford says, oh, yes, we're very concerned as well. Schools that don't already have national brand recognition may be less likely to drop out of the rankings. You think? Indeed, indeed, indeed. Yale's Ms. Gherkin said she understands the rankings poll, but they are useful only when they follow sound methodology and confine their metrics to what the data can reasonably capture. 
it's a fair comment. Hey, if they're not doing what you think they should be doing to assess your school, it's understandable. Now, it's an interesting comment from the school that is consistently assessed number one, but okay. Ms. Gherkin said U.S. News appeared to classify graduates as unemployed if they had school-funded fellowships to take jobs in public interest fields, or if they went on to enroll in a Ph.D. program or other graduate school. She said the ranking also doesn't give schools credit for having generous loan forgiveness programs, which can erase students' debt loads. I have no idea. Um, but it's an interesting statement, uh, given that the overall statement from Yale is that they think that the U.S. News and World Report rankings push down on public interest jobs. If that were the case, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to assess from Yale, because again, the U.S. News and World Report has only ever been kind uh, to the school. About five years ago, she said, she and a group of other law school deans wrote to implore U.S. News to rethink how it categorizes public interest fellowships. That outreach didn't yield any notable change, she said. Any dean who creates these risks getting punished in the rankings, she said of the fellowships, this is a moment in time for us to really reflect on what our values are. With 20% of the overall ranking score based on the median LSAT or GRE test scores and undergraduate grade point averages, the things that you can actually count, Ms. Gherkin said the ranking also hurts schools that want to admit promising students who couldn't afford test prep courses and reward schools that give millions in scholarships to students with the best scores, not the most financial need. Hmm. Told you to put a pin in the LSAT stuff, right? Um, so you can see kind of Ms. Gherkin's slant here on this, which is that you're only getting a good score on these tests or you only did well on a GPA basis because you could afford prep courses or other things of that nature, and that there shouldn't be any merit-based scholarships on scores and things that should only be financially based, which is fine, again, if you have a huge endowment. Uh, and it's fine if you're Yale or Harvard. It's a little bit less fine as you go down that list uh, with that variability. Do I think that it's a grand idea to disincentivize high scores uh, on these various things? I do not. Do I think the LSAT is a great indicator <laughs> of legal acumen. I also do not. You can see I have two minds of this. Selectivity is a proxy of student excellence, U.S. News and World Report says on the methodology page for its law school ranking. Median test scores in the latest ranking accounted for 11.25% of the total score and GPAs for 8.75%, while the school's acceptance rate counted for 1%, which is a very small portion of the score. And you can see, I think I can pull this type of stuff up uh, if we give it a second here on this page. Um, but uh, the way that this works is you are more advantaged if you are meaner about who you admit, right? So the acceptance rate at Yale is 4%. The acceptance rate at Stanford is 6%. The acceptance rate at Harvard is 6%. The acceptance rate at Michigan, double digits, 10%. Go blue. <laughs> but U.S. News and World Report doesn't much like that. And you also see this yield, which is the number of students that get an offer that accept. So I said everybody that gets into Yale goes... That's not true. It's only 70%. But when you compare it to the other numbers here, you see that there's a massive difference in that, that if you do get into Yale, you're about double as likely of any other school to actually go there because of their number one reputation and that they have an average that is significantly higher in terms of the LSAT score that they request. So 175, these are uh, out of 180. Uh, 180 is the top score. It's like a perfect test. Um, and if you want to get into these like tier 14 schools, uh, you're, you're going to have to hit a 170 or higher, basically, right? Um, for the for the L50s, then there's other there's other lower ones. At uh, these are like the percentiles for these. So basically, U.S. News and World Report at one kind of vector says how mean are you to incoming students? Um, how much do you demand of them? 
right? What is your what are the what is the GPA that is required? Michigan only requires a lowly 3.83 compared to Yale's 3.94, right? So yes, in, in terms of the the LSAT here, uh, you can see that Yale and Harvard have an issue with the test. We'll talk about that in just a second. Another 40% of the law school ranking score comes from assessments by other schools, top administrators, as well as by lawyers and judges, we'll talk about that too, who are asked to measure program quality. Critics say putting so much weight on reputation may only perpetuate the placement of top-ranked schools as employers and peers could assign high marks to schools because they were highly ranked in past years. U.S. News has tweaked the methodologies for its various rankings over the years, for instance, by no longer lowering scores for undergraduate colleges where only a small share of students submit standardized test results. The college ranking also dropped acceptance rates from its methodology and added measures of social mobility, including graduation rates for low-income students. Still, the U.S. News & World Report ranking juggernaut has faced a string of setbacks in recent years, prompting questions over how trustworthy the underlying data might be. Robert Morris, chief data strategist for the rankings, has said previously that U.S. News relies on schools to report their data accurately and asks academic officials to verify that data. That hasn't prevented some schools from providing incorrect numbers. A former Temple University business school dean was sentenced this year in a fraud case tied to how he helped falsify numbers in an effort to get a better ranking. Oh my goodness. How dare they? Falsifying numbers to US News and World Report. It's actually pretty funny. Fraud complaint is a is big time there. Um, I hadn't heard of that story before this reference in the Wall Street Journal, but it is no surprise really that these kinds of things happen. Uh, Jojo asks, did you apply to other law schools on the list top 10? I actually don't know who the top 10 is. Uh, so let me see. <laughs> yeah, I applied to University of Chicago. I applied to University of Michigan. I applied to Duke. And I applied to Northwestern, which isn't top 10, but that is 13th right now. So yeah, I applied to all those schools. <clears throat> um, I also applied to uh, some other schools. I don't think University of Chicago was quite that high when I applied to them. Um, you're, you're talking about a, a long time ago, folks, <laughs> when I applied to these law schools. Uh, but I did, uh, I did apply to a number of them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was a that was a fun time towards the end of college uh, to apply to those schools. Uh, that Sarah, but without rankings, how will EDB get to rave and brag that her friend Hoke Law is so smart, like he was top top of his class at a top five law school? Has EDB ever said that? <laughs> I have words with Emily if she said that. I joking. I think I said it on Emily's show, so maybe she maybe she incorporated it. Uh, but my my boss, my mentor, one of my favorite people on earth. Um, and uh, who taught me everything I know, and was just a great person, uh, was always embarrassing me. He, he was always uh, at talks and things, presenting me by my school and rank, my class rank. And I'm like, don't, what are you doing? <laughs> this is awful. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, there's a whole cadre of lawyers uh, that still talk about their, their school rank. Some still talk about their LSAT scores. Uh, and, I, uh, you know, at 20 years in, you've either shown what you can do or you haven't. I don't know. I don't know what importance it has as to the, the Michigan Law School experience, but I did enjoy it. I did love law school. So, yes. Oh, and we're getting verification that, uh, that uh, that's what EDB says. All right. I will have to chide her uh, in, in DMs uh, later today. Uh, but that is, that is amusing. Uh, 
Uh, thank you, Emily. Uh, so, yes, without rankings, how could it happen? How, how could anybody know that somebody was smart without U.S. News and World Report coming in and telling them? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, the University of Southern California's Rossier School of Education said earlier this year that a dean directed administrators to omit information in order to boost its placement. So at least it has certain amounts of perverse incentives for our, our educational elite. Um, but there are perverse incentives all over the place. We depend on our professionals to not succumb to uh, ethics issues, right? Don't we? I think we do. Uh, and Columbia University said in September that it had submitted inaccurate data to the ranking, confirming allegations a faculty member made earlier in the year. Columbia tied with Harvard University and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology last year as the number two best national university. This year, after the revelation about its inaccurate data, it landed at 18th. Ouch. Yale Law is known as a training ground for legal scholars and prominent lawyers, with many graduates going on to high-profile leadership, uh, federal and Supreme Court clerkships. Indeed, the, the, the methodology by which you get this is what we call feeding or feeders, uh, where you go and you clerk with people that regularly send people up to be Supreme Court clerks, and then those clerks are very often the pool through which the presidents, whoever they might be of whatever party, select people to actually take on this role. Amy Coney Barrett was kind of the exception to this, as you can see from the Notre Dame reference. I believe she was a professor uh, when she was named uh, the uh, nominee for the Supreme Court. Uh, most everybody else is going through that feeder process and going up through various circuits uh, to get eligible for the Supreme Court. And that starts by going to Yale and Harvard. In recent months, the New Haven, Connecticut school, that's, that's Yale, has become a flashpoint for free speech battles. Oh, we're going to talk about that. After students disrupted a March panel discussion on civil liberties that featured both progressive and conservative speakers. That prompted Lawrence Sibelbrin, senior judge for the U.S. Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C., to warn his colleagues to carefully consider whether students who interrupted the event should be disqualified for clerkships. Indeed, Judge Sibelbrin died in October. At least one other conservative judge has since followed suit, saying they won't hire Yale Law School graduates as clerks. Ms. Gherkin has said the school is committed to creating an environment that fosters free speech. But your mileage may vary on that. In fact, one of the things that we're going to talk about here today is that Yale Law School itself has been in the limelight in an unfortunate way for at least a year now. Right. Here's an article from the Yale News. Yale Law School dean breaks silence over string of law school scandals. And this was about putting pressure on people to denounce professors at the school and otherwise talking about things that were or were not incentive in speaking engagements at the school. We have, as was described in the Wall Street Journal, federal judges saying Yale is ridiculous and Yale Law School is not allowing people to speak on a battle of ideas basis on the merits of their thoughts and is instead canceling folks. You don't have to agree with any of this, but this is the kind of headwinds that Yale is facing right now. And that leads us to this situation where with the ABA saying, well, maybe we should not use the LSAT. And with Yale and Harvard facing some of this stuff, Harvard a little bit less so than Yale, we arrive yesterday at a point in time where you say, okay, you're worried about the way they treat debt and public interest fellowships, and you're getting out of the rankings. That's unusual. And yes, you see that the Wall Street Journal article only talked about the highest ranked schools all of which have kind of a similar incentive to Yale, all of which separate an incentive structure from the lower ranked schools uh, in that ranking with the higher levels of variability. And you say, hmm, I'm not certain on this. This doesn't check out. And then there is, of course, 
the one last thing, which is Students for Fair Admissions Incorporated versus the President and Fellows of Harvard College, which, if you aren't familiar, is described by the SCOTUS blog thusly. Whether the Supreme Court should overrule Grutter v. Bollinger, that's the University of Michigan, folks, and hold that institutions of higher education cannot use race as a factor in admissions, and whether Harvard College is violating Title VI of the Civil Rights Act by penalizing Asian American applicants engaging in racial balancing, overemphasizing race, and rejecting workable race-neutral alternatives. So in general, in the United States, uh, we have a portion of our Constitution and various pieces of our Civil Rights Act that says you're not going to discriminate on the basis of race and on the basis of a number of other things. Uh, and about 25 years ago, while I was at Michigan Law School, uh, there was a significant case at the Supreme Court that looked at whether or not you could take race into account when deciding whether to admit somebody into a public university or a public graduate school like a law school. And this case came out and basically said, we don't necessarily think this is a grand idea uh, for a long-term approach, but we don't think these plans are going to need anything more than 25 years. Uh, and so that went in as the law of the land for a period of time. This is where Roberts famously says you can't end discrimination on the basis of race by discriminating on the basis of race. And it's 25 years later, and there's pretty good uh, circumstantial, if not you know, direct evidence, uh, that Harvard and some other schools are uh, essentially pressing down on the Asian Americans in their applicant pool uh, through you know, nefarious means. And that got a lawsuit brought up. Uh, in this particular situation. Now, you might say, okay, that's fine, Rick, but you know, is that really likely to change? Most observers think that the court is leaning against allowing these kinds of affirmative action steps. Uh, and part of that is likely to change the way that these schools actually bring in admissions. Now, remember, when we talked about the U.S. News and World Report, admissions is a major portion of how they evaluate where you're going to be ranked. And Yale and Harvard, Harvard obviously a member of the lawsuit here, feel pretty strongly about what they're doing. And so they're likely to change things up uh, as a part of this case. Now, when they do change things up, that might change the way that their actual ranking is treated, right? So one argument could be, maybe this is too cynical, you guys can let me know in the comments, but one argument could be that they're getting out in front of what might be a reduction in their rankings right? That they're going to get reduced. They knew they were going to get reduced because they're going to change up things. They're going to get rid of the LSAT. They're going to do other things that admissions portion of the score isn't going to like. Uh, and they're going to do that maybe for good reasons, maybe for ill. We're not going to get too far into the politics on this. But when they do that, um, they knew that they were going to fall in rankings. They knew that they've got people out there that are not going to give them good peer review scores, right? They know that they've got issues with what people are even saying about their schools that take a little bit of time to percolate through these rankings. And Yale says, screw it, we don't need you which they don't. That's just true. We don't need you. And so we're going to give an, a, a reason for why there's going to be a two, three, five school drop uh, in our ranking, because we're going to change things up. Harvard's going to lose this lawsuit uh, and we're going to need to change things up and we're going to get that out in advance, which is what one of uh, my favorite follows online, David Latt, formerly of Above the Law, but then he decided to become a professional uh, is talking about right now. And he has a Twitter thread here who talks about this and then adopts someone uh, someone else's hypothesis. Yale is planning to significantly change its admission strategy in the wake of the expected SCOTUS affirmative action decisions, and they are doing this proactively rather than dealing with the rankings implications later, which David Latt says is a theory that makes a lot of sense to me. And indeed, it makes a lot of sense to me as well. Yale and Harvard are very likely to either discount or ditch the testing stuff there, and that's probably going to have an impact on their score. And then he goes on with a number of other 
kind of theories on this. But he's of the same mind as me, which is that this doesn't really pass the sniff test on the front end. It's one of the reasons I wanted to bring the headline to your attention is that you do have some of the major institutional planks of the education system here in the United States, giving what I can only say is, at least from my view, a smokescreen to what it is that they are actually doing. So that's the story for today. What do you all think? I think I did see some super chats I have to grab. But what do you all think on this? I know it's a little inside baseball. I know it's a little niche, but I think it's a very important kind of moment in time for the legal system that does in fact control one of our major branches of government here in the United States. And do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing? Do you think US News and World Reports was absolutely perverse in what it was doing and incentivizing for the administrators? If you do, do you still think that this is a, a good idea or a bad idea? I'm interested in your thoughts on this because I have my own. I've expressed those here, but I don't know what you all think on this. Kelly says, I really, really want us to put term limits on the Supremes like 10 years. I can't blame you. I can't blame you. I, you know, one of the notable things about our uh, our government is how old people are in the, in the executive branch, in the judicial branch. And sometimes that's good. You like to have, you know, wizened experience. Sometimes it's not good. You know, you're not necessarily got your finger on the pulse of these various things. And, and while I do think the judicial shouldn't be just putting its thumb in the air and seeing which way the wind blows, I, I do like to see some faces there that maybe, I don't know, uh, have a Hulu subscription, no computers pretty well. Don't know. <laughs> uh, B says, we don't really have such a massive divide between our universities in Germany. Sure, there are rankings, but usually people choose their uni depending on the programs they offer and location. Yeah. Well, when you're just looking at law schools, they're all the same, give or take, right? Now, actually, that's not true because that T14 school is likely to be a little bit more theoretical, a little bit more academic than teaching you on the ground law for whatever your jurisdiction is, where if you go lower in those rankings, you're learning more about the law of the place where the law school is, which arguably is better and more useful. Uh, so you do have a difference there, uh, but uh, it's good to know that other places don't have quite this bifurcation. Aaron says, had fun listening to you in the car, dropped my son off for his lessons, got home. Two minutes later, he's back after lessons canceled. So frustrating. I'm sorry to hear that. I do hate when the schedule gets too, uh, too tight there. RJH00 says, 10 years is too short. At that point, we might as well vote them in. I'm not sure about voting in judicial officers. I'm not sure it works. You know, we vote on judges here in Michigan. The only thing that happens is the incumbents almost always win. They get a little note that says they're already a justice. I, I don't, hmm, don't know. Don't know. Voting on, voting on the judges. Carrie hmm. <clears throat> says nobody has any business being in politics at any level past the age of 75, no matter whose guy or gal they are. Maybe. I don't know where the cutoff date is on that, um, but certainly it, it does <laughs> It does seem we're very old. Uh, there's, uh, don't get me wrong. I said the executive and the judicial. There's a ton of really old legislators, too. Uh... Tal says, excellent sheep written by a Yale prof said the U.S. News and World Report's rankings were a major problem like six years ago. Yeah, they've complained about them for a long time. The question is, you know, um, there is a certain push. I can, I really can attest to this, uh, that schools don't feel like they should be ranked at all. Uh, and I do think there's usefulness in having a certain amount of transparency and knowing what you're paying for on this kind of stuff. Is the U.S. News and World Report the right way to do it? No, I can't attest to that. Uh, and I think that there are some things that are maybe potentially wrong. I would love to see a report that just talks about um, you know, what the tuition is versus what the average income is after you leave. Let's talk about it like a consumer reports type thing, right? Which is ostensibly is, but instead of like trying to figure out who's meanest on the LSAT, let's just really talk about what is your likelihood of getting your return on investment here? 
Let's do a portfolio analysis of law school, shall we? That I would be a little bit more in for. Uh, Sherry just says, I get tired of old white men making decisions for me. Who can blame you? I get tired of everybody making decisions for me. <laughs> Tim Riggs, Tim term limits uh, slash max years of service equals more positives than negatives. Less career and less time to consolidate power within a branch. Only works if applied to folks like congressional employees, though, too. So not just the elected officials, but the people in like the civil service. Fair. It's a decent analysis. Uh, I don't know what the answer is to that, because I do think you can get a little bit more kind of politicization of these places. I, I've seen it in Michigan where you only have or you used to only have before we passed a proposal this year, um, roughly six years to get anything done in a major uh, the major bureau of our legislature. Uh, and it meant that basically everybody was always new to their job and kind of stupid in that job. Not that they're stupid people, but having worked with businesses and congressional uh, parties here in Michigan and, and try to work through laws and regulations and things. Um, yeah, a lot of the times it was not terribly, you didn't feel super warm and fuzzy about the process. I will say that. That's Sarah, local school plus law school equals better. Hmm, explain Tulane. <laughs> I didn't say every instance means better. Uh, I just said that very oftentimes law schools that are a little lower on that track are teaching the actual laws of the jurisdiction in which they're located, which can be better. If you go to Michigan, uh, bless his heart, go blue, Wolverines, yay, um, then you are going to get a lot of academic kind of theoretical legal application, which I think is great. That's your thinking like a lawyer type stuff. But when it comes time to, I'm done in my graduation cap, I got my robes on, uh, and I have to study for the bar, you basically know nothing about the bar questions. You absolutely have to prep for that and get ready for it because the school you just paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to didn't teach it to you. So sometimes that's fine. You teach yourself. I did, uh, you know, studying for the bar, but it might not be ideal for everyone. And it's not exactly what a lot of people think of when they think of an education for those kinds of topics, right? Uh, Angela says the way the founders set up the constitution has a reason. Read the Federalist Papers to find out why. Know it so you don't understand why things are the way they are in our constitutional republic. Fighting against the term limit concept. Federalist 10, I highly recommend. Um, and yeah, they definitely had their reasons. They wanted the judicial branch to be outside of the political sphere. Um, now, your mileage may vary as to whether that's actually happened. I tend to think it has happened more than reporters will tell you. Uh, and that they only ever mentioned the nomination uh, uh, constituency, which president nominated any person when they want to highlight where they think there's politicization. Uh, but very oftentimes, the judicial branch works just fine, no matter who nominated the particular judge. Uh, and as I like to tell people, even in the Supreme Court level, most of them are unanimous or close to it, 8172, uh, and are on areas of law that you would not be interested to hear me talk about in this space. Very minute details of regulation or things along those lines. Uh, and... <clears throat> that that's worth noting, that sometimes in the age of the internet and social media, we focus too much on the divisions and not enough on the things that aren't divided. And that does happen with the Supreme Court as well. And I can hear my voice going, so it must be close to the end of the episode. <clears throat> Leanne says, I think Harvard and Yale are so outside my scope that I'm indifferent to them. In a lot of cases, I think that universities are overrated and way too expensive. I have two trade jobs. I have an AS, uh, that's associate degree. I think that's awesome. Um, and I think absolutely a lot of these elite schools, law schools included, get way too much credit. And that while you can kind of take shortcuts to potential success by having an elite credential on your wall, uh, they don't make you a good lawyer. 
They don't make you a good doctor. They don't do those kinds of things. And uh, you put the work in. I, I think a lot of people are going to have a lot of success. Uh, and so I tend to agree with that. I don't like elitism in terms of education, even if my friends are online talking up my credentials. <laughs> uh, let's see here. All right. And I think we're just going to finish up pretty quickly now because I do feel my voice going. I'm sorry about that. Shereen asks the important questions. What is a Buckeye? It's like a nut, I think. I, I don't know. They put leaves on their helmets. I have no idea. <laughs> Tim just says the judicial branch was bound to be politicized eventually once Marbury was decided. Going back to Marbury versus Madison. This is this is law school, man. Yeah, I think there's a, there's there's reason to believe that the judicial branch usurped a certain amount of authority back when it started. Yeah. Provocative. Maybe I'll do a video on that. <laughs> Uh, Tal says you're totally right that we should have more info and audited info and ROI would be great to have. This might be creative destruction. It opens a niche. Others will try to fill. Yeah. You know what? I, that is a great silver lining way of looking at it. Maybe Yale and Harvard are going to blow up the U.S. news rankings and we'll find something better. I love it. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that the U.S. news and world rankings are perfect. I just don't necessarily agree with the, you know, our, our institutional and intellectual betters at the elites, uh, that they're, they're getting out of this for that reason. They, they're not, they're not. Uh, okay. And I think that's about it. Uh, Carrie says, that's what great friends do. Talk you up when you're not around. <sighs> yes. Yes. Well, uh, Emily's Emily is a, is a good friend. All right, folks on that note, it's been Thursday here in headlines and hangouts or hangouts and headlines, whichever order you want to put the H and the H in, you want to throw a Hogan there. That's all good. Uh, I'm probably not going to do a virtual galley. I'm going to rest my voice for the next couple of hours. I'm actually going to be on a video game podcast at noon live today. Um, which you can check out. Uh, I will uh, retweet it on my Twitter. I don't have the exact link right now, but I'll be talking up some of the Microsoft Times Activision stuff uh, if you're interested in seeing that, hopefully, uh, but I'm going to rest my voice for the next three hours or so. Uh, tomorrow is Casual Friday. I think I have my headline ready. Uh, if you guys want a, a little commentary on the open letter uh, that uh, some groups put out in defense of Amber Heard. You know, it has been a couple weeks, I think, since we've talked about that. And I do have some thoughts on that particular report. Uh, so bring your happy hats, bring your crocheting, bring your knitting, bring good moods tomorrow because we're going to be talking about some interesting stuff. And tomorrow I'll also probably remember to shut off my alerts uh, for my mail so you don't get dings throughout as I start to get morning emails in my workday. Outside of that, folks, I hope you have a fantastic Thursday. Do get ready for Lawyers and Dragons on Saturday morning. We've got a big one. Rob sneaking in here, not letting me off the hook. Spicy trial attorney here. Excuse me, Yale and Harvard. Your elitism is showing. Thanks for covering this, Rick. This story made me feel a certain kind of way when I read it. Shiny patina to cover motivated rationalization. Indeed. An excellent use of the word patina, Rob. Yeah. Um, you know, I tried to present as neutral as possible here, but I think Harvard and Yale are, are throwing up that smoke screen in order to get out of what they think is a down round for them. Uh, and uh, yeah, okay. It's, it's, it's motivated. I understand it. I do wish these institutional platforms would be a little bit more honest with us. That Sarah says you forgot the part about Napoleonic law. <laughs> right. Well, you know, if you are getting trained on Louisiana law, maybe it isn't super useful in other jurisdictions. I'll say that. All right. That Sarah, have a great one, everybody. Thank you so much, Rob, for the very generous super chat. I totally understand feeling the way you do about these things. I think a lot of people do. I will see you on the next Hangouts and Headlines, everyone. Have a fantastic